Hello, this is Charlie. Welcome to Kratom Sobriety. And this is Krista. This is episode 17. Today we have an interview with Eric. He's a top achiever in his career, but he found himself addicted to Kratom extracts. He had trouble quitting them, so he decided to, after a couple slips, he decided to check into a short-term detox facility, which he also had a brief uh, prescription MAT treatment as well. We also have a special episode dropping this upcoming Wednesday. It's the first of occasional guest expert appearances. Krista, who did you interview and what do listeners have to look forward to? Okay, so Charlie, I, I spoke with Tommy Hathorne. He's the CEO of San Diego Detox and Boardwalk Recovery Center. The interesting thing about Tommy is he brought 19 years of personal sobriety to the table in the interview. Um, he was able to offer personal experience regarding his viewpoints on Kratom, on addiction, and recovery. And he draws from over a decade working in the business of treating addiction in substance abuse treatment centers like Boardwalk Recovery in San Diego. Well, Krista, I'm excited to hear that interview and thanks for doing it. So today we're going to start off with several voice messages I received from a listener that first contacted us in June and I played her voice messages then. So here's the first one. I was just listening to the new episode and still struggling. Truthfully, um, I got really low down on my taper and then I had like a relapse. And for me, I've gotten completely off all Kratom except for feel freeze. Um, feel freeze are the main thing that I'm really struggling with getting off of. And yeah, I know you had somebody on the show who was struggling with those. Um, yeah, they're a real bitch. And I swear there's something else in them besides just Kratom and coffee. Yeah. People really struggle with those feel free products from uh, botanic tonics. You know, I only use them a couple times. I, like I talked about in an earlier episode, one time I was trying to quit Kratom and I went to the store and they recommended that drink. They come in these little small blue bottles. At the time, I didn't look at the label close enough because it actually has Kratom in it. So there's all sorts of theories. You know, people think that there might be ingredients beyond just Kratom and Kava. If you check out that subreddit, there's a lot of people really struggling. I, I guess you've never tried those before, Krista? No, I, you know, I've never even seen a feel free, I, you know, to, to the best of my knowledge, I, I don't, I don't see them down here where I'm at in um, Melbourne, Florida. Um, we do now when I was, you know, at the Kava bar, there was a drink called a wipeout that was a mixture of Kava and Kratom. It was really green and chalky and slimy and served with pineapple and that's about my only experience with kava kratom combined together. Yeah. Some people speculate that maybe that citric acid or the citrus juice is a potentiator. Speaking of kava bars, um, she has a second message here. She's up in New York City. So let me play the second part. Um, also, something that I thought would be of interest to you. And I was like, oh, if I... If I ever get any sober time off Kratom, I would love to come on the show and talk about this unique kind of perspective. I've been working at a kava bar in New York City um, for a while, and there's been a whole bunch of like kind of drama within the kava community there um, because Kava Sutra got shut down, both of their 
working at um, one of two operating kava bars in New York City, we almost got shut down. Um, we got raided by the same people and had to throw away a bunch of product and it was just wild. Um, so I kind of feel like I'm at ground zero for this new kind of regulation of, of Kratom and Kava. So it's been really interesting. Um, yeah, thought I'd just share that. And thanks again for your work. So that was a local action. I, have you ever seen any bars in Florida get closed, Krista? No, not, not that I'm aware of. I just see them open <laughs> frequently. <laughs> yeah, they didn't even close down during the pandemic place I used to go to stayed open for to-goes and um, you know at that time you couldn't really congregate outside Um, there was an agreement made with like local law enforcement that there was an area where everybody could go and congregate and you know hang out and drink and do that kind of thing so that's that's how it worked during COVID where I was and is the to-go thing was that something that happens all the time or was that a pandemic era practice the pandemic thing only okay like i know in louisiana they have some drive-through um daiquiris i think i saw some drive-through daiquiris so i know that you have an email to read you want to read that yeah so we've got a email here from jay um and Jay writes, Dear Kratom Sobriety, I'm currently trying to taper off of Kratom after two years of progressively increasing use. To be honest, I'm really struggling. I have decreased my consumption to some degree, but I'm struggling to get off of it completely. I found the podcast quite helpful, so thank you for putting them out. Thank you, Jay. Great. Good luck. Keep keep up with that taper. I sent some information about meetings because he did ask about that in, in another part of the email. And it just kind of reminds me if anybody's out there who's ever successfully tapered, we'd love to have you on as a guest. I think that's one subject that neither I, Krista or Jacob have a lot of expertise in. And, you know, sometimes I speculate if you're able to taper, you might have more of a dependency than an addiction. To me, one of the definitions of an addiction is a lack of control. Just, I mean, you know, don't, don't, don't stop quitting. I mean, whatever that looks like, I agree with you, Charlie, you know, maybe that's dependence and not addiction. Um, addiction is, you know, usually like loss of control and consequences. But I, I think we said on the podcast a while back, if you continue to taper and, and it doesn't work and it doesn't work and it doesn't work, maybe then go for a cold Turkey. I'd love to hear from somebody that's had a successful taper. Well, thanks. And now for the interview. Welcome to this week's interview. We have... Eric, who I met through the Quitting Kratom WhatsApp group. Eric, how would you introduce your pre-Kratom self to the world? Great question, Charlie. Thanks for uh, having me on. Excited to be talking to you and everybody who's going to be listening to this. Uh, so great question. How would I introduce myself to my uh, pre-Kratom self to the world? Kind of looking back on where I've come from, uh, just a rambunctious kid. Uh, I had an incredibly challenging time uh, paying attention and sticking to one task. ADD kind of went down the the Dexogen route during uh, college, but you know just generally happy, no issues with depression, 
but really super energetic. And uh, I found it a hard time to stay focused on a, a specific task. When was your first exposure to Kratom and how did that go? Yeah, yeah that, that's even a better question. So I'm 41. Uh, my first exposure to Kratom was, believe it or not, in 2004 when I read about it on a, a mixed martial arts forum that oh. a lot of pro fighters have been finding alternative forms of medicine to avoid the pill path. 2004, still the early days of the internet. And so when you read about this mysterious plant that there wasn't a lot of instruction on how to take it, how to import it, how to get it. So I was definitely aware of it. And I remember specifically the thread had tens of hundreds of pages of asking questions, but no real source of how to get it. And I was still a little too young to really understand you know, what it would mean for me to order something overseas. How would I pay for it? How would I get it? And then more importantly, I can't just eat a kratom leaf. So there wasn't just enough information. So yeah, 2004 is the first time I heard about it. And w when did you start using it? So that's fast forward to about 2017. Uh, okay. I, was at a, I was at a buddy's party, more of like a, a friendly get together to play some board games. And my buddy came back from, I believe, Arizona, and he just had a packet. And hmm. the packet said kratom on the side. And I thought back, you know, 10, 12 years before, I was like, wait a minute, I've heard of this before. So it was, it was powder. And we hopped into his kitchen, didn't really know how to take it, just kind of took a scoop of it, uh, washed it down with some water. And, you know, obviously 15, 20 minutes later, not expecting anything, both of us kind of looked at each other and we were like, either this was spiked with something, or this is like a whole new territory of something that's easily available that probably shouldn't be, considering there's no uh, literature. Uh, the explanation on the side of the package was very lightweight. But yeah, so 2017. And you know, what's interesting is at that time, it was kind of a one and done for me. It was like, cool, maybe felt like I took a handful of Percocet. And that was it. So you weren't immediately hooked on it by any means. Yeah, I was not. I had a kid on the way. And you know, my mind at the time was just not, I wasn't in the right spot. I could tell that I probably would have enjoyed it a ton, but I just wasn't in the right spot at the right place at the right time to say, hey, how do I get it? And let's make this part of my daily routine. And your first experience with it, was it more like a food experience or more like a drug experience? Uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely a drug experience. It was definitely a drug experience. Oh, do you have any history of struggling with other substances? Yeah, I guess it's kind of hard uh, sometimes in conversation to quantify what struggling actually yeah. means. Um, you know, so I guess kind of looking back on, uh, you know, growing up, I definitely liked to smoke marijuana in high school. I liked to drink in high school. Once I got to college, it kind of died off. Like I said earlier, I was taking, um, you know, prescribed Dexedrine and uh, Adderall throughout college. Did I take more than I probably should? Absolutely. But again, you know, it was one of those scenarios when I finished college and transitioned into a career, maybe my first or second year into a career, it just kind of died off. I didn't feel the need to wake up uh, like I was hooked up to a car battery ready to go. So I, you know, uh, and I've certainly learned a lot in the WhatsApp group and, and kind of my experiences over the last nine to 10 months, you know, being involved with Kratom. But, you know, I didn't really consider myself to be a big drug guy, even though I like them. I just don't do them. So have you ever had a drunk driving or been to treatment for drugs or alcohol? Nothing. Nothing. Clean, yeah. clean as a whistle. Things like this are a continuum. 
when and how did Kratom start to become a problem for you? Yeah, Charlie. So this is where the the fun really starts in the conversation. So, you know, not to go too much into my career, but I work for a very high profile company um, in a high profile industry in a high profile position. And, you know, my day to day work and my day to day customer load and some of the um, pressures and expectations that are put on my shoulders come at extremes that I don't think everyone would like. But for some reason, due to my high energy nature, it, it fits for me. So this was probably last July, you know, falling for a lot of the information that I hear on podcasts. I, I hate to call out names, but, you know, uh, like Joe Rogan's podcast or Brendan Schaub of them talking about how they would take Kratom to be energized, to be focused, to have better workouts, to have better sleep. It kind of seemed like this one thing that I've heard about, you know, for the past 20 years that have had different effects. You know, last summer I was like, hey, where could this go wrong, right? Like maybe there's something that I could kind of weave into my daily high protein regimen, my workouts and my my work-life balance that I, I didn't see any way that it could go wrong. So that was, you know, nine to 10 months ago. Wow. Yeah. You're not the first person that kind of had it marketed to you in the wellness space by an influencer and what happened to make you decide you, you wanted to quit. That's where it gets fun, right? Um, I like to always research things that I'm I'm involved in. And yeah. there's like a side that even when I still see TikTok, like 90% of the TikToks that pop up, it's always someone speaking so positively that you don't really see negative. However, when you go to the comments or when you go to some of the Reddit comments, or even when I learned about this WhatsApp group in probably the December timeframe, in the back of my mind, I was like, yeah, all right, cool. So there's no chance that I'm going to get away taking this every single day, multiple times a day for X number of months and not have any side of a negative impact. And that's when I started the research, Kratom withdrawal, what to do for Kratom withdrawal. Coincidentally, at the same time, I started noticing things that were changing in my body, uh, mostly mental, mostly physical. And I think in early December, no change to my regimen, no change to the dosing that I was taking, no change to the brand, whatever that may be. I like to see everyone that's been posting Kratom turn on me. So that's like a textbook scenario of mine. Uh, you know, I've never had any issues with depression or anxiety uh, growing up, even considering I've taken some amphetamines prescribed, of course. Um, early December, I had like a very bizarre panic attack that I didn't really understand why physically and mentally I had this like increased heart rate. I started sweating. I was like kind of bouncing around like a pinball at my house. And uh, funny enough, my wife works in healthcare. I had to wake her up in the night and I was like, I have no idea what's happening to me, but it's not hmm. normal. Um, and it was like a heavy onset of restlessness, anxiety, stomach cramps. And like I said earlier, there was just no change. So when did I recognize I had a problem? It was early December. And that's when I like started going a little bit deeper on the subreddit. And I, I don't really remember how I ultimately found out about the quitting creative WhatsApp group, but Somehow I got invited and maybe it was a DM or something. And I started attending the Wednesday meetings for a couple of weeks. Um, you know, I'm the type of person that I will admit when I'm not doing something right. And I'm also really great at recognizing things that I understand well, but more importantly, things that I don't understand. So at the same time, I went through this, you know, I guess uh, withdrawal while I was using. 
I reached out to an addiction specialist close to my house, a, a psychiatrist, and I just spilled the beans. And you know what's really interesting is at the time in December, I felt super confident that like how could be you know how could taking extracts for what seven months how could it have such impact on me when I tried to stop using? So the psychiatrist, you know, well, first of all, let me stop. I, I went I went through the natural paths. All, all the natural recommendations okay. that I saw online, the vitamin C, this, that, the other. Again, I'm not an expert at any of this stuff, but I certainly tried the natural path. And really what happened, I was able to quit cold turkey on myself, uh, by myself rather. I don't really, I don't think the word quit is accurate because I ended up trying to do a taper that didn't work very well. But there were like five nights where I just didn't sleep. I was super restless. I had to sleep in a different bedroom. I went through the sweats, the cold, uh, cold chills, all that fun stuff. And, you know, I, I was confident mentally. It was the physical part that just dominated me, specifically the fact that I was not in a position to take off, uh, you know, at the end of the, phys- uh, at the end of the calendar year. So that's when I reached out to a psychiatrist. And at the time in December, I was put on, I don't really know the best way to classify the medications, but I was put on like some pretty basic medications to make me more comfortable. And I just remember at the time that whatever she recommended, nothing was having, nothing was even scratching the surface of what I was feeling. Oh, wow. And so I had talked to my wife and I said, look, um, cold turkey doesn't seem to be working. Uh, The the medications that I was prescribed didn't really scratch the surface. So let's come up with a plan to taper. And, you know, I certainly referenced the taper plans. But one thing that I really learned is everybody that is either trying to come off something, whether it's Kratom or not, our body chemistry is different. And yes. there's, there's a lot of recommendations, but there's not a secret to getting off of something, right? It's not going to say, hey, you mega dosed on vitamin C, that worked for me. And that's one of the things that you know, I don't want to say it's misleading. It's great to have as much information as possible, but you know, everyone is unique. So as far as a confidence thing goes, if I'm reading that, you know, this regimen worked for somebody and it's not even scratching the surface for me, maybe I do need to pursue a different path of tapering. So I know that was a little long winded, but hopefully that was, you know, a great way to describe when I recognized there was a problem and that was in the December timeframe. You were taking extracts. How much grams per day equivalent was that? Yeah. So I guess, you know, outside of Kratom, anything that I do in life, I like to do to the extreme amount. You know, yeah. I don't want to do anything half-assed. Um, so I was taking, uh, starting in, I think, August, I was taking maybe like four to eight extract caps a day. And then, you know, eight to nine come, come winter. And, you know, just divide them across the the course of 24 hours with a mid, you know, mid morning wake up, you know, three, four, five, wake up, take another one and go back to sleep. When I decided to go on the taper plan, I, I cut the dose by like 75% right out the gate from let's say eight to three. Okay. And I was uncomfortable, but I think what I was really looking to achieve was one, be able to wake up with some energy and start to realize that just physically, I don't have to pop a couple pills in the morning to start my day. And then on the other side of the fence, again, the daytime's fine. I started to fear the night. And so, you know, it was kind of every night I would have to take one before I went to bed around 10. And then, 
you know, just reading what everyone else says, I wake up in the middle of the night, feel a little bit anxious, feel something start to onset, and you would take another one. So as far as grams go and the extracts, I'm going to be honest, after seeing a lot of people do the translations on the WhatsApp and uh, the subreddit, I actually never wanted to look into seeing the translation of like the extracts that I was taking and what that equaled in the pill form that I was taking. Anybody that's had any exposure to Kratom will understand. And I've seen other people talk about it like a rapid taper, like reducing the excessive amount really quickly at the beginning, but then having a, a baseline to at least give some comfort for sleep and basic functioning so that you're not falling off the cliff immediately. You know, yep, but, exactly. So what is your Kratom abstinence date? Yeah, so... I'm I'm 45 days clean and, you know, kind of just kind of summing up the story from December to where we are now. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the taper, it worked until it didn't. Um, okay. You know, you, at least for me, I ultimately slipped in another one. I slipped in another one. So I maybe went from three to five and I never really broke the five. And, you know, one of the things that I did recognize in December was I had a lot of trouble doing this by myself. And when I say by myself, like certainly I had the support system around me. But I recognized that to man, I work from home. So managing this stuff by myself was just super challenging. And it certainly crossed my mind that it might be helpful given the extent of some of the physical withdrawal symptoms I was having. Would it, it crossed my mind like, hey, what is a detox center? Like, what does that mean? What would that mean to me? What, that, what would that mean to my family? You know, again, like I said earlier, I don't have a ton of experience with drugs, even though I like them, I don't do them. Um, I think. Once I got into early June, Kratom started to turn on me again. And I had maybe like four nights in a row with just like severe panic attacks. And so I reached out to my psychiatrist and I was like, I don't think I could do this by myself. And I reached out to a celebrity that I know and I was like, I need to go into detox. And so I worked out a plan with my wife. We had you know, I, I, I'm transparent. So I spilled the beans to my parents. Uh, they flew into town and working with someone to set me up at a detox center, I was really thrown into the fire of A, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. Mm-hmm. Um, the check-in process, it was a little intimidating. I didn't know if I was like trapped there for a couple of days, right? All these horror stories. But, you know, I think the number one thing that really helped me go down the abstinence path is, and I want to say, you know, when I did go through those withdrawals, what I at my house, what I did was I actually recorded myself and I was this on video and I was describing like what I was feeling, how I was feeling, what I tried to, uh, how I tried to advert the withdrawals. When I watched those videos back, it scared the shit out of me. Wow. And, uh, that's that, you know, the medications that I had from the, the practitioners, when they didn't scratch the surface, that's when I knew it's coming sooner or later. So the more that I avoid it, I'm just pushing, I'm just pushing it down the line. So to address it, I, I like I said, I, I arranged a, an inpatient detox. It was five days. And I, I'm certainly not sure how much into medications I can go on the podcast. But when I went into the center, you know, I was brought on a tour, I was given a bedroom, I had this beautiful executive stay, this, that, the other. They put me on a suboxone taper a rapid taper for, and I've never taken that in my life, right? I've only heard like the horror stories. And definitely when when I first got introduced to all the people at the detox center, I'm in there for Kratom 
And there's a lot of people are like, what are you in here for? So it was like a bit of a reality check that the education is not 100% there yet. But the, the medical staff there, they were getting inpatients for kratom use all the time. Um, so, you know, in short, to answer your question, they put me on a, a three-day rapid taper. Um, I don't want to, and like I said earlier, I don't want to say that there's like a, a magic dagger that works for everybody, but I didn't experience any acute withdrawals once I went through this rapid taper. I was able to sleep at the detox center. Um, I did not attend any classes. What really helped me was reading uh, the Reddit and, and the uh, WhatsApp, talking to the people at the center. Uh, of their experiences. So just, you know, I've been 45 days clean. I have zero cravings. Um, I didn't experience any withdrawals. When I got home from the detox center after, I think it was like, it was five nights, six days. Yeah. When I got home, like things were different, right? I wasn't taking anything. Uh, I think the big win for me was I had broken the routine of thinking when I wake up, I have to take something. Yeah. When I started to get tired, I had to take something. When the afternoon hit before I had to get the kids, I'd have to take something. Or at night, and I was going out to an event with a buddy, I would have to sneak something with me. So, you know, in short, you know, over the past 45 days, the big change for me was those first two weeks when I was home, the GI stuff was there, not pleasant. And the sleep was a little weird, but not terrible. You know, certainly not with the sleep disruptions that I experienced when I went through the withdrawals, you know, when I tried to do it on my own, it was the fatigue. The fatigue was like this overwhelming wave that I couldn't lift off, lift off my shoulders. And for someone that likes to work out and run and, you know, generally a hyperactive guy, it was very strange adjusting. But what I can say being 45 days out, I feel pretty normal. And, you know, I would say it took about 25 to 30 days before I was like, oh, there's the Eric that I remember. <laughs> so 45 days today. Congratulations. So are you saying that you were the only one in that at during that time uh, at the detox in there for Kratom? Yeah, I was the only one there. And what was interesting is, you know, a lot of you're, you're barely you're rarely by yourself. I, like okay. I said, I had my own room and suite, but you know, I was trying to meet people and listen to their stories. But what's crazy is when I would be in these conversations and, you know, everyone's like, hey, what are you in here for? What are you in here for when you're eating meals? There's a lot of staff around. And when you say like, hey, I'm in here for Kratom, the first reaction of someone that's probably in there for heroin or something that's much, or at least I don't want to say it's much stronger because you could make a lot of arguments and where Kratom falls, the staff would jump up and they would immediately be like, oh yeah, well, I have bad news for you. Kratom withdrawal is way worse based off of our experience than drug XYZ. And people were like, wait, what? I see this everywhere. How could it be way worse than methadone? How could it be way worse than this? And again, I'm not saying it is or it isn't. That's what I was hearing at the detox facility of people that are living this 24 hours a day. And big thing that that's kind of interesting is, I, I don't want to say this the wrong way, but I, I definitely got a lot more education from the people that were in there. And there was one girl that, you know, she, I was like kind of double checking all the medications and, you know, the, the taboo subject of Suboxone. You know, I was on a very low dose for a very short period of time, but I definitely got scared straight by some of the people that were in there. They were like, I don't know why they would do this type of a taper for you. This is going to be way worse to come off of. And like, you know, in my head, I was like, uh oh, is this trading one, you know, devil for another? But hats off to the detox center 
and the nurses and the PAs and the NPs that held to a very specific regimen. And I think, you know, on the last day of the taper, going into the first night with nothing, that scared me, right? Because I, I, I said the hardest part for me of this whole process was the nighttime. There's nothing worse than being up at two in the morning and having absolutely nothing that makes you complacent or calm. No one's there to talk to you. All you can do is read horror stories. If I was a betting man, there would have been a 0% chance that I was going to sleep my last night at the facility. But I did. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I think that helped me skip the, the horror stories of the acutes that I have read about and, and experienced earlier that, that year. Yeah. And back to your point about everybody's individual physiology and personal experience and genetics, I think the Suboxone issue, oh, and whether or not Kratom withdrawals are worse than other drug withdrawals, it goes back to that point of everybody's individual experience is different. And then it's just both those issues are highly controversial that people have strong opinions on both. <laughs> Absolutely. I learned that the hard way for sure. Uh, what other supports did you put in place to yeah, great question. Taking away Kratom and considering how accessible it is. And it's like kind of weird, you know, when I take my kids somewhere and I, I like avoid even looking to my right because I know mm -hmm. where the smoke shops are or I know where the gas stations are. The mental side, like I said earlier, I felt deep down that that was going to be the easiest part for me. Um, and look, I'm 45 days out. I'm, I guarantee you, I'm not out of the, the deep waters yet. Yes. Um, but, my attitude and I feel pretty positive the way things are going. And, you know, again, I, I do a ton of research on pause, et cetera. Like I know that's coming, but you know, it's, you, you say, how do I maintain the abstinence? I think the big one is I'm super proactive when it comes to staying busy. So I just kind of changed one vice for the other. So now anytime I don't have a busy day, I'm either running or working out or playing video games twice as much as I did before. Like I said earlier, I have an extremely busy job, an extremely busy schedule. So that hasn't been the hard part. The one thing that, you know, I've learned over the last, you know, 10 months of this insane roller coaster is there there's not like a specific mold that Kratom will attach it to as far as who could get addicted, the type of person, um, the accessibility, where someone is in their life, whether they're old or young or even the financial situation, right? I read a lot of conversations that this is like making people bankrupt. There's high risk factors that, you know, in my head, when I would buy when I would buy this stuff, I don't even look at the cost because it it didn't affect my day one way or another and I'm, that's not to, you know, come off in a specific way, but when I look back on it, I was like, "Holy cow, I was spending an absolute fortune." Actually, the one thing that I learned the best part in in um detox is one of the girls pulled me to the side and she came from a, she actually worked there, recovering addict. She came from a very well-off family. And she was like, I never expected myself to be in this type of a scenario. She said um, something that kind of stuck with me is, and you can you know swap the drug name for whatever. She goes, most people don't take, they don't take heroin to, to get high. They take it to get well. And that's like, you know, month five into Kratom, I was like, wait, I'm not feeling anything. What I'm doing is I'm taking it to just not feel terrible. I needed to yeah. feel normal. So that like one phrase has been like a motivator for me to avoid everything. You know, the one thing I, I would say is 
I'm pretty fit, athletic background. And I, I was like, I was able to work out during it. But when I went through this like 45 days first, starting with detox, I lost like 15 pounds and had no motivation to eat. So what I started doing was like taking very small pieces of marijuana gummies. I didn't really feel anything from it, but it helped me eat and start to get back a lot of the weight. Yeah, the abstinence part hasn't been challenging to date, right? Like I said, I'm not out of the deep waters, but meeting weekly with the psychiatrist and just kind of going off of, I'm still on a few of the medications, uh, like clonidine, like a very low, low, low dose. Like I think it's like 0.5 a day, something like that. And then something to help me sleep at night. That's, you know, a non-narcotic, but the accountability side is wife, work responsibilities, family responsibilities, not in any specific order, financial responsibilities, and then the weekly meetings with the psychiatrist to, to have like this authoritative figure holding me accountable for what I'm saying mm -hmm. in practice. So that, that part hasn't been too challenging as of right now. And so it sounds like you're not against plant-based medicine with the use of cannabis. Correct. And, and that hasn't made you make your life spiral out of control. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. And, you know, a lot of my friends and I have some family members that are, you know, super into alternative medicine. It's just crazy how, like you said earlier, um, you can latch on to stuff based off of what you hear, what you learn. And, you know, one of the brands that's out there right now, it's they say that they're like the official sponsor of like three or four athletic departments at well known colleges yeah. and universities. So you're like, where could this go wrong? Like, how could this possibly go wrong? And then you have kind of the other side of the fence, which is like the Chinese medicine, right? Traditional oriental medicine, things that help you sleep better, things that help you stay awake. Then you also have that whole field of nootropics that help you articulate or think nutrients for your brain, that type of stuff. It just so happens that, you know, Kratom falls into this category of its own that, you know, some people are just kind of predestined to fall into its trap and getting out of it alone, at least in my experience, is... Yeah. I felt like it was next to impossible. And I know plenty of people have had adverse reactions to cannabis or over time. Yep. How is your life today kratom free? Yeah. All right. So I think the the most interesting part for this is if I look back, you know, the big I don't want to say life events, but big big things that I've done over the past ten months, in the back of my mind, there's always been this aspect of uh if I'm at a big athletic event or if I'm at a concert or if I'm at a kid's birthday party, or if I'm celebrating a, a victory at work, it, it started, there was like this um, monster that was on my back that I would look around the room and I'd be like, I'm literally the only person or most likely the only person that has something in their pocket to stay on some weird dosing schedule. And how did I fall into this mold? You know, that, that was like one of the big life lessons of, of, uh, you know, I had to take a step back. I had to assess no one else did this to, to me other than me. And once I threw up that white flag and recognized that I had no control over it, you know, just being open, transparent. And, you know, one of the things that still helps me today is while I don't participate in a lot of social media or in a lot of these conversations, I read everything uh, and I kind of make it into a morning routine and a night routine is, you know, I'm reading what people are going through. I've reached out to a handful of people in the group. I've offered, you know, advice. I've offered to be a, a listening ear where I can. But um, I think just staying involved in the community is going to help me as well as it may help others. Yeah, and thanks for that reminder of self responsibility. I mean, we all need to take ownership of how we got here. How did 
your job factor into your creating use and recovery. Yeah. So that's like one of the hardest things that I've had to just accept is, uh, and, and a little bit of a reality ch- check as well is I've never worked better in, you know, in my entire career. Like I was able to perform at a top performance level. I won a top performer award globally. And so I was like, this is amazing. Things are going great. I'm able to get X number of work done a day. And so my biggest fear coming out of that detox and certainly those first 20 plus days of absolute lethargy, I I just had no energy. If I laid down, I'd fall asleep. That's like kind of what I had. In the back of my mind, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, how am I possibly going to get back to that same level of performance? And what's insane to me is, and again, I'm not out of it, right? I'm only 45 days in. I feel like I've bounced back and I feel like I have the same level of energy and the same level of ability to take on work and performance as I did while I was using. Now, that's also just another thing in my head is like, all right, well, if I'm doing the exact same and performing at the same level, like what other reason would I have been doing this for the last 10 to 11 months other than, you know, getting out of that first, you know, let's say August to October of when I felt like this nice buzz, it got me um, focused on work. I guess from like October to June, the only, I didn't feel anything. I was just taking it to not feel terrible. So it kind of went from like, you know, the peaks and valleys, right? I was like, I went a peak, hit a valley. And as my body's returning and things are starting to build back, um, my level of performance is, is close to where I was uh, while I was using. That's great to hear. Your time frames are very similar to mine, at least the August to October that I had um, a, I, I did a remodeling project. I started running five Ks. I went to start going to the gym <laughs> four days a week Yep. and um, had a personal trainer. Now that I was using Kratom for all those and I, I was, I took on a couple extra clients and I, just, and then, and then around the, I, my first quit was in around Thanksgiving and then um, between Thanksgiving and March 22nd, I had, that's when it spiraled like in it, inverse of the, <laughs> of the top performance months, you know? Yeah. It's crazy um, how that works. And, you know, it's funny you, you laid out that winter time frame. you know, when I, I was super motivated and gung ho and I was like, Hey, I'm going to do this by myself. One of the things that I certainly paid attention in, into the WhatsApp group was, um, everyone else that was quitting at that time. And as they started posting the days that they yeah. were Kratom free, and then the people that have been kratom free for 30 days or 60 days or 120 days or years in my head i was like how the hell am i going to get yeah. to 10 days yes. and um that was like one of the things that stuck with me and there's a few people in the the group that actually like did quit in december that are still posting how many days they've been out and you know they're now in the 160 day range or or 180 mm-hmm. day range and so in the back of my head i was like damn that could have been me and then I look at how long I haven't had anything and it's 45 days. So it's all relative. And you know, while you're in the thick of it, for me, I thought it was impossible to even envision what day five or day six or day seven would look like. Mine, mine was on the subreddit, but it was the same dy- dynamic, you know? <laughs> yep. Absolutely. What is your go-to music when having a bad day? Oh, that's funny. I actually have a buddy that that's a musician too close to kind of connect the dots on, on the personal side, but I got like super into his album in December when I tried to quit. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that I'm kind of out of that phase and I've moved on to like the abstinence phase, you Google any nineties alternative playlist. That's what I'll be dialed into. 
uh, I love listening to OAR. Uh, I, I like listening to hip hop. I recently got into Colder Wall. It's like this uh, Johnny Cash type of music. So I guess I'm listening to way more music than I did uh, while I was using, and things hit a little bit differently. And you know, while I'm working out, I have a different genre every day that I'm paying attention to. So yeah, it's it's a blend between what was hot in the '90s. Uh, even 90s hip hop and some of the more recent stuff. I was born a decade before you, so I'm going to have to Google both of those groups, but I'm sure they're great. Oh, yeah. What is your best advice for someone getting ready to quit Kratom? Yeah. So as much as it stinks for everybody, and you know, what's interesting is I've talked to a lot of people, there's a lot of I can't, and there's always a reason to to find out or say why you can't do something. That's just the reality of life. You have to come clean. You're going to have to... And I like, again, I haven't gone through any of these 10 step programs, but like I've read about them. I like to educate myself on them. If you're not admitting, or at least this is my opinion, certainly, I had to admit that I had a problem and I had to drop this like secretive veil down. And I had to talk to my, my wife knew, you know, I, I think I had to just come clean. I had to recognize that, you know, one, you have to say, and again, I don't want to talk about taper or cold turkey. Just again, everybody's different. Yeah. For me, taper was just like, especially with working from home, like how on earth am I going to just like walk into another room and be like, all right, I start to feel terrible, but I know I could make myself not feel terrible by just taking one more. You know what I've seen. And, and like I said, I've talked to a lot of people. There's a million excuses to and reasons why to not do something. But what worked for me is the second I came clean, the second I reached out to people and started talking to them, I realized that it's not that big of a deal. So many people do have problems with a substance or alcohol or even like a a habit that's not related to drugs and alcohol. So so my recommendation is drop that, uh, drop that medieval wall that you have up, do your own research, please reach out to a professional. Don't take any advice on medication prescribed medications from people on the internet ever. Best advice that I was given by the person that I reached out to that said I need to go into detox was going to detox. Um, That worked for me. Uh, Not everyone has the means to go through that. Uh, If you don't, I know a lot of health insurances or even cash uh, payments for psychiatrists that have specialties on addiction. I think what would be helpful is it would, they at least, it's another party holding you accountable for something. And the accountability is when you can really start to introduce change into your life. And is there any other, like an answer to a question that I didn't ask uh, before we end our conversation that you'd like to share with the audience? I've definitely seen the full scope of people's duration taking Kratom and the quantity. I've seen the higher doses of 90 grams. I've seen people that are saying I've only taken for a month what to expect during withdrawals. I don't want to knock anything down, but when you see these posts, you know, like we said earlier in the conversation, everyone's different. So in my opinion, I don't think there's like a silver bullet that's going to help change anything. I think the reality of it is, you know, at some point you're going to fall into that aspect of why are you taking Kratom? Are you taking it to get higher or are you taking it to get well? And, you know, the last piece of advice that I would uh, leave for everybody is, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I'm in the, the WhatsApp group. I'm sure when this gets posted, you know, if you guys are interested in reaching out, I'm more than happy to talk to anyone, of, whether it's career advice or going into a little more detail what it was like for me when I quit. But yeah, that, that's really it, man. Charlie, I, I appreciate it. 
Thanks. Same here. And I, I appreciate the hopeful note. Sometimes when we're talking about getting off creative, I do focus on the, the negatives. I'm guilty of it myself, but there is yes. hope on the end of the tunnel. When you're in it and you're like, how am I going to get to five days? When I look back on it, I'm like five days, that's nothing. Right. But what, but what's also interesting is when you're in that first week, you're not counting days, you're counting hours. Right? Yes. Okay. I hit 12 hours. It's something's going to change at 13, 14, 15. Then you get to 36 hours. So you're like so in your head that it's hard to see any other any other uh, path for you at that period of time. And um, what my grandma always used to say is, uh, "This too shall pass, right?" And like it, it will, and and you'll be able to you'll be able to achieve whatever you set your mind to. Thanks a lot, Eric. That's a great way to end. I appreciate it, Charlie. Kratom in the headlines. Today I have a news item about Crave Botanicals and a class action lawsuit against them, which claims that they failed to warn consumers about the highly addictive potential of its Kratom powder, capsule, and liquid extract products. It's brought under several California laws, including the California Unfair Competition Law and the California Customers Legal Remedies Act. The defendant is Ashland Marketing Group, Incorporated, which is the parent group for Crave Botanicals. The 32-page lawsuit says that the pleasant-looking green leaf logo and leafy rainbow-colored banner on the product's labels mislead consumers about the addictive nature of the Kratom supplements. The packaging proudly declares the products to be all-natural and only includes a basic disclaimer on the back that states the items are not regulated or evaluated by the FDA. Seemingly innocent language that leads buyers to believe that the products are safe and pose no risk of dependency, the suit alleges. Nothing about the product's packaging would lead reasonable customers to believe that they were purchasing compounds similar to opioids, the filing claims. It looks as innocuous as vitamin supplements. Further, the company's website is rife with praise for Kratom. The lawsuit describes the only warning provided is a misleading statement that Kratom's addictive potential is still being researched, the suit says. Case charges that contrary to Kratom's representations, Kratom is a particularly insidious drug that has sunk its hooks into tens of thousands of unsuspicious consumers and caused them serious physical, psychological, and financial harm. Although advertisements universally promote Kratom as a pain reliever, antidepressant, or supplement to boost focus and energy, Consumers are not told about the severe opiate-like withdrawal symptoms caused by physical dependency, the complaint shares. According to the filing, the side effects from Kratom withdrawal can include irritability, anxiety, difficulty concentrating, depression, restless legs, tearing up, runny nose, muscle and bone pain, muscle spasms, diarrhea, decreased appetite, chills, inability to control temperature, and extreme dysphoria and malaise. Kratom users purportedly claim that addiction sneaks up on them and that they have suffered depression, anxiety, anhedonia, and reduced sex drive as a result of long-term use. Crave relies on consumers' ignorance about Kratom and its addictive nature to get buyers hooked and to capitalize on their dependency, the suit says. The lawsuit looks to represent anybody in the United States who purchased Crave Botanicals Kratom products within the applicable statute of limitations. I said before... The key to kicking Kratom and to stay off of it is self-responsibility. There's nobody that's going to come and rescue us. 
And I personally find when I blame others for my problems, I get stuck in a rut and it's a trap. That said, there are major issues with the creative marketplace, both in regulation and the way it's marketed. Unfortunately, FDA and other regulatory systems are not responding quickly enough to the problems on the ground with a rational, reasonable regulatory framework to keep creating both legal and safe. There are no guardrails to protect the public for the most part. The invisible hand of capitalism isn't fixing things either, meaning the marketplace isn't self-correcting or the industries aren't self-regulating at a pace and in a robust enough way to improve safety. I will put a link to this lawsuit in the show notes. Hi, everybody. This is Jacob, and I am here with this week's resources of the week. We have two resources that are focused on folks that have chosen medicated-assisted treatment to aid in their recovery from kratom addiction. So we've got two really great resources for you all. The first one is a 12-step meeting group fellowship called Medicated-Assisted Recovery Anonymous, or MARA. Um, MARA is a online 12-step program that is focused on helping and being a forum for people that have chosen medication to aid in their addiction to any substance. So they offer a series of meetings every day that could be helpful for folks that are using medication or considering medication to help with treating their kratom addiction. There's no requirement to be on medication, so if you're looking to check out a meeting and you're not on medicated-assisted treatment, that's totally okay. They'd love to have you there. Our second resource is brand new and started this week. It is a new subreddit called Quitting Kratom via MAT that was started to be an alternate to the Quitting Kratom site that is focused specifically on people that have chosen medicated-assisted treatment to aid in their recovery from kratom. It's very new, so there's a limited amount of content there, but we're excited for it and we hope to see it grow. So if either of those resources sound like something that you'd been, be interested in checking out, we'll have links in the show notes, and we hope to see you there. Thanks, Jacob. Until next week, keep it cream free.